Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this and I always know Jesus has the answer he has that next step for you let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you Are you living in faith or are you living in fantasy? That's the question we want you to consider today on Your Next Step. I'm Pastor Doug. With me is Pastor Doyle Jackson from The Church Next Door. Pastor Doyle, how are you? I'm great. I think that's a good question that you ask. Are we living in faith or are we living in fantasy? And I think most of us think we're living in faith, Mm -hmm. but we live in this world that is... We, I, this is this is what I mean. I think that there are people that believe that they're living by faith, but every day they're filled with worry, anger, frustration, and they don't understand that means that they're not living by faith. Right. And and what happens is the world has convinced us that we can live with a certain amount of anger, a certain amount of of worry, and fear, and depression. You you can go on during the list. But God says, no, you, you, you leave that behind, and there's an understanding and a wisdom that comes from him that sets us free from that. Yeah, and I love that uh, when you wrote these messages, you came up with that idea of a fantasy world. That word fantasy to me is so powerful. That's not what I want. It's not reality. It's not even good, but it is attractive. And so what you're speaking about uh, here today and for the next couple of weeks, uh, or next couple of days anyway, is that there is a fantasy out there that's trying to pull us away from faith. Worry and anger, that's what we're going to talk about today, is one aspect of that fantasy. Well, fantasy will always let you down because you'll step into reality. Yeah. And so what we want to do is to help you step into reality from God's perspective and and from His Word. And we're going to do that today. We're beginning a new series. It's called Fantasy World, all right? And and this is this is what I've learned in, in life. A fantasy is a lot like a mirage. You know a mirage? Maybe you saw one of those old movies and someone's out in the desert and they think they see water and they see life on the horizon and they head towards that mirage. You know what I'm saying? And as they get closer, it begins to disappear. And see, that's what a fantasy is. A fantasy is, is this, this idea, this concept that appears good in your mind, but as you get closer to the reality, you find out that you've believed a lie, and it disappears right before you. See, our world offers us these fantasies, these ideas, these, these worldviews that, that, that they take God out, they set him to the side and say, you can live life without God. And ultimately, that's a fantasy. It's dangerous. and It'll harm you. And what I found is, when you live from the, from the perspective of a fantasy, when you set God aside and try to do life without God, you end up lonely, heartbroken, destroyed, every, everything. If you try to set God aside, it will not produce the fruit you hope to have. All right? So that's what we're going to dive in today. In the next couple of weeks, I want you to hang on for the ride. Don't go anywhere. All right? 
So let me ask you a question before we begin, because today we're talking about fantasy world, and we're going to talk about just the whole idea of worry and anger. Let me ask you, how much worry is too much in your life? How much worry is too much? How, okay, let's, let's do it together. How much anger is too much in your life? See, this is the fantasy that our world gives us. Our world tells us, I can handle it. So you feel worry kind of, kind of creep up inside you, or you feel anger creep up inside of you. And this is what you tell yourself, I can handle it. You realize that you were not designed for worry or anger. You were designed for peace and joy. God put us in the garden. God put us in a place of his presence in relationship with him. We abandoned that. I get that. It's, it's our fault. Okay. We, we own that. But see, what happens is you and I live in a generation that tells you it's okay to be angry. You live in a generation that tells you it's okay to worry. And guess what? Worry and anger will destroy the relationships of your life. It'll destroy your relationship with God. And so let's, let's take some time to peel that back and ask God to help us in that. Lord, we bow before you because we can't do this on our own. So we ask you. Bring your word alive. Speak to us. Help us to see through the veil and see the truth that we might be free today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you have a Bible, I want you to open it up to the book of Colossians. Okay, if you've got a Bible app, just open it up to Colossians. Open it up. I want you to see it for yourself, but I'm going to give you the context while, while you're getting your apps ready. Okay. So the book of Colossians is written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. Now, it's not just to Colossae because he also mentions there the church at Laodicea. What's unique about this, this writing, what's unique about this book is that Paul is writing to a church that he hasn't met. So the gospel came to them. The good news of Jesus Christ came to the church at Colossae because there was this dude that was hanging out among the, the God followers and he heard the message of Jesus, the Messiah, and he was so transformed by it. He was so encouraged by it. He went home to share it with his own community. And along the way, he shared it with some other people. And so what they started to do was they began to gather together regularly, probably once a week at least, and they worshiped God and they talked about the ancient writings of the Hebrew prophets and how Jesus was a fulfillment of that. And, and that's how a church was started. Now, Paul got word that, that, that this church had been started in Colossae and another one at Laodicea. And it's possible that there was a letter written to Laodicea that we don't have. Okay. We know that they became a significant part of the church because John talks about it in the book of Revelation. I don't want to go there right now. I just want you to know that, that Paul writes this group of people and he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to help them. He says, your faith is just as good as all the other churches that have been started by the other apostles. See, what would happen is this. Some people would believe, well, our church is second class because we didn't have the apostle. We didn't have Peter or John or Paul. You see, you know that happened because you're human being, right? And other people, other people said to them, well, your church just isn't as good as our church. You don't have a video wall. All right. You know what I'm saying? Bunk. All right. Well, Paul writes to this church. He's trying to encourage them in the faith. But along the way, they've heard about the fact that he's been stoned, 
And we're not talking about a chemical experience. Okay? They, they, they find out about the abuse that he's been receiving in, in, in getting the gospel out to these other churches. And he says, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And then in the middle of that conversation, he says, this is what I want. I want to tell you about what the goal for you is. Okay? So listen, if you would, Colossians chapter 2 beginning in verse one. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Pause. Sorry. You got to hit the little pause button for a second there. So Paul, he says, I'm working really hard. I'm, I'm suffering in the gospel uh, for the gospel. And, and I want you to know that. Why does Paul want them to know that? He wants them to know, number one, that to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is not easy. Do not believe that Jesus who died on a cross and suffered, hello, buy a vow, get a clue. If Jesus suffered, why wouldn't you think a world that, that is so evil would not cause you to experience some suffering, okay? And secondly, he says, those of you that are in ministry, and then he wants to say, all of you are in ministry once Jesus has saved your soul. You're going to suffer. And don't let that keep you from being a disciple or serving God or ministering. Don't let difficulty slow you down. Don't let, don't, don't let resistance keep you from the kingdom of God. Just recognize that's part of the difficulty in this world. Can I just say that? This is part of the fantasy. Well, if you love Jesus, God will make everything beautiful and sweet. I noticed your chuckle. See what I'm saying? This is reality. So Paul is, he's, he's dealing in reality, isn't he? Paul from the beginning is not playing games with them. He's honest and upfront about it. Okay. And I want to be honest with you. Keep going. Verse two, my goal, this is Paul's goal. And he's not, he's not just writing to Colossae, right? He's, he's writing to everybody who's getting his message, right? That, 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 that have heard it, whether they've heard it from him personally or they've heard it through somebody else, okay? My goal for you, my goal is that you may be or they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you because there's people out there that are going to try to trick you and deceive you by fine sounding arguments. For though I'm absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Pause again. Notice that he says, I'm with you in spirit. He, he's not saying something goofy or weird. He's just saying, we're on the same team. He's saying, my heart is for you. I think about you all the time. I pray for you. I've heard the testimony of other people coming out of Colossae, how you, without an apostle showing up, have believed another brother's testimony and how his life was transformed through the love of Jesus Christ by relying on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, God's son, dying on a cross, rising from the dead. It transformed his life. It's transforming your life the same way it transformed me. And we are on the same team. Who day? See, that's what Paul is trying to do. 
And see, the reason you and I gather, the reason you and I come together is to keep that going within us. Don't go back. Don't start believing some, some crazy talk from somebody else. Don't be deceived. Be clear on this. The early church, the church today needs to know there are people that are trying to deceive you. Get you to believe a lie, a fantasy, something that's far from God. They want to take some of the things of this world and mix it in and say, it's okay because we've mixed it in with Jesus. Uh-uh. It's either pure Jesus or you're in a mess. Verse 6, so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See how strong he wants them to be? See how he wants them? He says, you're disciplined. You're disciplined. You have self-control. You don't just run around letting your urges run your life. You, your thoughts, your intentions, they're all impacted by the word of God and the message of Christ. You see your life through the lens of a world of the cross of Jesus Christ to transform history and to give new life. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. What's he saying? He's saying that there are people that will come along with, with, with teachings and philosophies and ideas that, that they appear to be of power and significance when all they are is hollow. There's not more to it. And see, people are going to give you a form of spirituality. It's built, built on the reality. Yes, there are spiritual forces in this world. We do not deny that. But there is a greater force. There's a greater power. It's the creator God. It's Yahweh. It's, it's the God of Israel, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He created the universe. He put the stars into place. And he sent his son, the Messiah, Jesus, to die on a cross, to, to break the hold of evil and sin over us, that we might have life in him. And he wants us to stay firmly established in that. Don't believe. Don't go back. See, the people that that Paul is talking to here, didn't grow up in Jewish religious homes. They didn't grow up in a home where they believed in God and Yahweh. They didn't have an outline for what was morality. They lived in a world that was polytheistic, pantheistic. There were many gods, many spiritual forces that needed to be worshipped. There were many things that you had to do. Every day was a constant work of effort to please these gods and these spiritual forces. And Paul is saying, don't believe it. Those are philosophies. And then they're built on also on elemental spiritual truths. Stick with Jesus. The Jesus that brought you peace. The one that gave you life. The one that died for you. That's the kind of God you want to live for. Not a God that wants you to die. Not a God that wants you to serve them. A God that served you. You see, when, when, when Paul writes them, he says, God's word invites us. What does he say invites us to? Understanding and wisdom. So what he says is, there's a, there's a spiritual realm and there's an understanding and a wisdom that comes from God that can help you see through this so that the fantasy won't overtake you. 
But the world invites us to something without Christ. <laughs> it's interesting. What the world does is they say, well, we'll take Christ and set it aside. What you need to do is listen to us. And the world invites you and I to horoscopes. Huh. It says, you're worried? You want to know the future? Open up your horoscope. Or it says, how about this? You just need to meditate. If you're anxious and you're angry, you just need to meditate. Choose one of these forms of meditation that doesn't have God involved. Not on his word, not on Christ Jesus, but just try meditation. It'll make you feel better. Or, or maybe they tell you this. What you need to do is just start speaking your reality. Just start, just start saying over yourself what you want, and it'll begin to be manifest. See, this, these are the hollow and deceptive philosophies that have been printed and reprinted for generations after generation. But they... They are without God in every one of them. They take God and set it aside. See there, it's a fantasy. It's a lie. You cannot get the results you want unless you tap in to the ultimate source. And what they do is they're these hollow and deceptive philosophies. And that's what Paul is warning them about. And I'm here to warn you today. I'm here to tell you that, that if you begin to believe that, that you can think that somehow you can have a, a form of godliness, but yet deny his power, as, as Paul said to Timothy, if you think that somehow you can believe that, that you can love God and, and practice these other things, you can't. Because you're inviting other spiritual forces into your life besides his. The only spiritual force you want to be guided by is the creator of the universe. The only one that has the ultimate power and authority over your life in this world. You, you surrender yourself through him, but you're not acceptable in your own right. You're only acceptable through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the work that he did on your behalf. Because see, you could never be righteous in your own righteousness. That's what he invites us to. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy to believe that you can interact in this world ungodly in ways that oppose the principles of God and get godly results. Here's a, here's a definition of fantasy, okay? I put it in your notes. Fantasy. An act or thought, an act or thought of imagining things, especially things that are impossible or improbable. I mean, can I just tell you? That could also be the definition of insanity, couldn't it? To believe that something that's impossible or improbable will give you results. And yet you and I live in a generation and an age where we invite you to fantasize about everything. And, and I'm not against you creating your own little avatar to, to, to be your icon online. I'm just saying... If you believe that that is going to be your reality and thrust you into something on a spiritual plane, you, you are going to be left in pain and in anguish. The whole idea for this series actually came from Dr. Corey Teague. He spoke here last year about this time. You may know him as Master's Dad, all right? Dr. Teague is a, is a professor of psychology and, and, and a counselor at, at the Middle Tennessee State University. He's a friend of ours. He's a friend of yours. And, and, and because he preached here last week, year, excuse me, last year, he, he, he was so touched by that experience, he wrote this book called Got Milk. And, 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 and he dedicated it to you. 
He, he said, I, I was so amazed that, that I was asked to speak, and I was so amazed that God would give me that opportunity. And in his discussion with you last year, in his discussion in this book, he talks about fantasy. And then listen to what, what Corey has to say about fantasy. He says, when we attempt to live with no faith in God, we stumble. If we are not living in faith, we're living in fantasy. We're living in the belief that somehow we can be godly, yet say, I don't have to follow godly ways. See, God has always required his people. If you want his blessing, you have to be obedient. And we've lived in a generation, and it's, it's happened within the church, and I'm, I'm shocked by it. The, the church at Broad has told people that, that, well, yeah, God has his way, but, you know, there's a lot of grace. He'll, he'll, he'll forgive you for that. I don't believe that God is sloppy, and I, I don't believe that you and I should be sloppy towards God. Do I believe that he'll forgive you if you, if you slip up, if you make a mistake? Yes, but let's not take God for granted. Let's not begin to, to, to ignore his prerequisites, his requirements, his standards. See, you have a relationship with God, and any relationship has requirements. It requires respect, or it's not a relationship. And we've lived in a generation that says, I don't have to respect God. And that's a fantasy because we believe that we could disrespect God and his standards for morality and relationship and still think we could get godly results. You won't. That's a fantasy. That's what Corey's talking about here. Fantasy is wanting God to bless you, but you don't have to be obedient to God. Fantasy is believing that I can have godly results, but live ungodly. It won't work. Don't do it. Don't do it. In John chapter 3, Jesus is teaching. And there's this, this religious guy, this guy who's grown up in a godly home. He's a Pharisee. His name is Nicodemus. And Nicodemus hears about Jesus, and he's intrigued because he's heard of the miracles that Jesus does, where, where Jesus heals people, Jesus delivers people, where Jesus, you know, he forgives their sins, and that really upsets people. And he says, but I got to know more. And so he sneaks out at night. He sneaks out one night. I think this is funny because many of you did that. You snuck to church, and you sat on the back row, and I'm not picking on the back row. I know you guys back there. Hi, George. Some of you, you, you go online, and what you're doing is you're just trying to, you're trying to get within earshot of God and, and you're trying to figure it all out. This is what Nicodemus is doing. You might be a Nicodemus, okay? And Nicodemus is there with Jesus and they're talking and, 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 and finally, Jesus looks at Nicodemus and he says, Nick, what you need is just to be born again. Now that, that's become common vernacular, especially in the 1970s and 80s. We talked a lot about you must be born again. And, and, and Nicodemus hears this and he's like, what? How can I be born again? You expect me, a grown man of all these years, to re-enter my mother's womb and start all over again? And he's just kind of frustrated with Jesus. And what Jesus is trying to say is, Nick, you're not getting it, man. You need a fresh start. You need to do over. You need to begin your life again on the spiritual level, but this time you've got to trust God instead of yourself. This is Pastor Doyle Jackson for the church next door. Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. 
It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's a year in the Bible available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. I really need you to help me right now because the Bible says that if we agree, it's more powerful and it impacts even the angelic hosts. So would you just just stop with me and agree in prayer right now what you're doing? Just listen intently and agree in your heart that God might move. You know, I love kids and I have so many friends that have adopted children. So today we're going to pray for children and for adoption. Lord, we know that you're a fruitful God, that, that from the very beginning, you wanted us to be fruitful, that, that children are important to you, that you have a heart for children and widows and orphans. And so, Lord, we have aligned our lives with you. We have aligned our lives with being fruitful. Now, we, we, realize, we realize that the world in which we live has had some very negative attitudes towards children in the womb. And we know that we've been participants, whether that was willing or unwilling or just confused. But today we come because we're asking you for more children in our world. Some of us right now, we've been praying for children and others have been praying for grandchildren. We have, we have friends, Lord, that have desired to be pregnant and we agree with them right now. We pray that we will still see more children come into life. Others of us, Lord, we, you've been tugging at our heartstrings and you've been saying, I need you to take in an orphan. And God, we've been frightened by that. Lord, we're praying today, if that is the answer that you seek, if it's time for us to, to welcome children into our lives, we want you to know, God, You are the Lord of life. You are our Father in heaven. And we're saying we want to see more children come. And God, we know that that may mean miracles. You may have to open up adoption agencies and pathways. You may have to open up wombs. God, you may have to create these children in miraculous situations. And we say yes to the miracle of life. Amen. Well, I just love praying. You know, my life has been forever changed by prayer. Everyone who comes to know Christ's life is changed by prayer. And we want to help you grow in prayer. So we're inviting you today as one of our friends and part of this ministry to go to yournextstepnow.com. And we will give you a free prayer guide. It's an ebook. All you have to do is give us your email address. Your email address at yournextstepnow.com. And you get our free prayer guide. And you can join us every day. Be a part of the ministry. Your Next Step is a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to financially support the ministry, visit thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. That's thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. Of course, we'll be glad to send you a gift of thanks in return. For more resources to guide and grow your faith, you can visit doylejackson.com. That's D-O-Y-L-E jackson.com. 
If you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time for Your Next Step.